The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. I call it the slipstream of the uh, Russia-Ukraine invasion. Uh, Ronak, good evening to you. Welcome to The Money Show tonight. How are we on the African continent feeling the impact of that war? Hi, Bruce. Good to be with you. Um, I mean, obviously, the usual caveat supply, Africa is not a country, and, and you know, the, the transmission yes. mechanisms will affect different countries differently. But I think, you know, if we are looking at the, the continent in, in general, there's three transmission channels that we need to watch. Number one is financial markets. And typically, in times of crisis, you know, what happens is that there's a flight to safety, there's risk aversion, uh, the U.S. dollar tends to strengthen and that has a knock-on effect on emerging market currencies, stock markets, and debt. And, you know, African currencies and eurobonds have fallen quite firmly in the firing line. You look at a country like Ghana, where the CD has been amongst the worst-performing currencies uh, this year. And, you know, the, the countries with weak balance sheets and with weak political and economic, um, you know, situations uh, tend to, to be in the firing line. Then, of course, you know, from a monetary policy perspective, the Fed has got a dilemma on its hands. Policy rates are close to zero, inflation's on the rise, and then you've got geopolitical strife. So the psychology of investors around whether they think this is going to be temporary or more permanent is going to obviously impact contagion as well. And then, you know, looking on the trade and investment side, um, you know, there's a demand-side shock because obviously Europe is a significant trading partner for Africa. If that has a, a knock-on effect on uh, the global economy, that's, that's not good for, for trading volumes. But then at the same time, demand for commodities is up and your oil and gold producers uh, really stand to cash in if they, if they use the situation properly. But then again, regional differences come in over here. Uh, Egypt imports 60% of its wheat from Russia. Kenya is a commodity importer. So, you know, those countries will be, will be badly affected. And then we haven't even spoken about the, the supply chain issues. You know, inflation was already rising uh, due to kind of COVID strife. And now with food and fuel prices on the rise again, that has the potential for political and socioeconomic unrest. So quite a layered um, impact for the African continent, Bruce. Yeah, it's always going to be complicated and affect different things in different ways. And I'm waiting to see how it plays out. And I just can't imagine many of the effects are going to be, any of the effects are going to be positive. Other than in the short term, we get a boost in some of the commodities that we produce on the African continent. And um, we've got elections coming up in Kenya again. Uh, maybe I don't pay enough attention, which is why I think, my goodness me, it feels like Groundhog Day when it comes to Kenyan elections. They feel like they come around more often than many other places. Um, what, what's up this time around? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they never dull affairs. You know, 2007, uh, we had the, the violence, post-election violence. In 2013, both candidates had cases at the ICC whilst they were contesting. And then in 2017, the election result was annulled. So there are always fireworks and there's always drama with the Kenyan election. Uh, and I think this time will be no different. The big question this time is whether William Ruto, who's the current deputy president, can, can defy the odds and, and, and pull through and win the election. And over here, you know, we're really starting to see a lot of shades of Jacob Zuma. He's a, he's a charismatic populist. Uh, he's got friction with his political superior, Uhuru Kenyatta. Uh, huge allegations of corruption swirl over him. Um, and, and so, you know, he's really playing this up, um, this, this, this kind of role, and this is making investors quite anxious. Uh, they're asking the question, who is this guy really, and what are his policies likely to be and are we going to have a similar impact on the economy in Kenya to, to what Jacob Zuma uh, had in South Africa.
Now, William Ruto is, is trying to assuage some of these, these fears. He's traveled on roadshow to the UK and the US. Uh, he's playing up the marginal, marginalized insider card and, and railing against the dynastic politics of Kenya. But he's, he's got a bit of an uphill challenge. You know, he doesn't have as deep pockets as, as Rala Odinga, who's probably the front runner, and Huru Kenyatta, who's endorsing him. Uh, ethnic arithmetic is also probably not on his side. But, you know, it's going to be a very close close election. And uh, in recent times, with elections on the African continent, um, you know, I think the only thing we know to expect is surprises. So a very close election in store in August in Kenya. Okay, August election time in Kenya. Talk to me about Ghana, please. Uh, how are things going there? Yeah, so Ghana's been in the news for all the wrong reasons of late, um, primarily because of its fiscal issues. Uh, you know, I mentioned the CD was the worst performing currency in Africa. It lost favor with investors, and there was real concern around how that economy was being managed. The debt, debt levels were, were getting uh, alarming, and uh, the credit ratings agencies uh, download, downgraded them in January and February. Um, so for some time, Ghana, Ghana was really the darling of the investor universe, but that shine has faded. Uh, has faded. And um, what people were really watching was this controversial e-levy bill, which was a bill to tax the informal sector and to, to put a tax on digital transactions. Um, and that was gridlocked in Parliament since last year, and it was seen as a litmus test of the government's ability to, to consolidate fiscally. Um, now, the good news is that they've managed to get that over the line. And in conjunction with some significant rate hikes, they, they are starting to win back some of the, the confidence of the market. You know, there were rumors of an IMF program, but uh, I think, you know, they've bought some time. They've sent the right signals to the market and um, the proof will be in the pudding. But I think um, some positive developments out of Ghana who, who've got to manage their fiscal situation quite carefully in this context. I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I've got a scrap of paper in front of me that refers to Nigeria's Game of Thrones. I, I can't resist. <laughs> um, yeah, election season in Nigeria is also heating up uh, significantly. Um, you know, if you're cynical, you'll say it's not Game of Thrones, it's Game of Cronies. Um, but the, the electoral landscape is, is, is now ratcheting up in terms of its temperature. The vice president, uh, Yemi Osimbajo, announced his candidacy for the APC ruling party uh, today, or yesterday, in fact. And he's not the only person in the field. He's got, he's got a lot of competition. Um, but I think, you know, you've got Bola Tinubu, who's, who's the front runner. You've got um, the vice president and you've got a few dark horse candidates who are going to have to um, navigate the, the internal processes, both within the APC and the PDP, and then take what seems like a poison chalice in Nigeria, given all the economic and the security headwinds that are, are emerging. So, um, you know, the, the, the front runners are stepping out of the shadows at the moment. Um, and they will have targets on their backs. But um, a very consequential election next February in Nigeria and, and one that we need to watch quite closely. Ronak Gopoldis, the Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk on the line to us from the UK this evening with our Africa Business Report. Ronak got his finger on the pulse.